All right, Shabbosai, good morning. Good Chodesh to everyone. Begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Adar, Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drashos this month. In memory of Paul's grandmother, Dina Bas Pesach, and Paul's grandfather, Zechariah Ben Zechariah, whose yard sites are both in the month of Adar. We hope in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Gabi and Shana Kohn, for dedicating this year this morning, commemorating the ninth yard site of Shana's father, Mr. Avi Strimber, Avram Ben Kalman Eliezer Alevi Zichron Levracha. We thank Maish and Devorah Wordesheim for dedicating this morning's daf and Mazel Tov to Devorah Maish for completing Mishnaya Seder Zroim and Seder Moed. And uh, Maish with a special message of gratitude to his longest-lasting Chavrusa Devorah for her persistence and desire to learn. Truly beautiful. And to thank Michael and Rachel Terniansky, we welcome Michael back to the shir for dedicating the daf this morning commemoration of the archite of Michael's brother, Alan Avram Yitzchak Ben Shemin Yaakov. Zichron Levrach, we open the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an aliyah and the family a nechama. And we'll with that, let us begin. A lot to do today, an incredible daf ahead of us today. So the Gemara says as follows. We are picking up, today's daf is Pei Gimel, 83, and we are picking up Amir Sashem on Pei Beis, and with Beis 82b, four lines up from the bottom, Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan, um, Rabbi Yochanan says as follows. Remember, just to reorient ourselves for a moment, we were dealing in the Mishnah with an interesting machlokas about how to dispose of a carbon Pesach which becomes invalid. And interestingly enough, what, we, what, what the Mishnah really outlines for us is it depends, of the, it depends on the nature of the invalidation. So for example, if the Pesach itself becomes Tamei, then Halacha Lamaisa, it is burnt immediately. However, if the invalidation is not in the Pesach, but the invalidation is in the owners, let's say the owners become Tamei, or some other external circumstance, then Halacha Lamaisa to Ubar Tzuraso which literally means we allowed the form to change, which means we let the carbon sit overnight and burn it the next morning. Of course, in the case of carbon Pesach, as we saw, it doesn't literally mean next morning, but rather what does it mean? Two mornings later, on the morning of the 17th, the first day of, uh, morning of the 16th, the first day of Chalamayid. So the Gemara says as follows, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says as follows, Rabbi Yochanan, when Rabbi Yochanan, Amr, Afi Akharzika. So we ended off yesterday's daf with the Gemara making a distinction about whether or not the carbon became Tamei before Zrika, after Zrika. So Rabbi Yochanan, Amr, Afi Akharzika, Nami Machlokes. Rabbi Yochanan says in Machlokes, Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka, and the Rabbana, Tanakamo, is even after Zrika. Va'az Rabbi Yochanan, the Tamei, Rabbi Yochanan goes going towards Zrika, Rabbi Yochanan, Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka, Rabbi Nechemi, Amrud Avar Echar. Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka, Rabbi Nechemi has said the same thing. Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka had the Amram. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka, that's what we've mentioned in the Mishnah. Rabbi Nechemi Amahi, what's the position of Rabbi Nechemi, which is being referenced over here? Desanya, Rabbi Nechemi Omer, Mipne Aninos Nisrafazu. Remember again, we keep going back to the situation of the Chatos burned on the day of the consecration of the Mishkan, the Bayom Hashmini, after the death of Nadav and Aviyu, instead of eating the chatos, Aaron goes ahead and burns the chatos. So the Gemara says, Rabbi, so Rabbi Nechemia says, why did they burn the chatos? Mipne Aninos. Because Aaron was in a state of Aninos. Lekach Ne'emar Ke'ila Aninos. And I will say, Aninos ultimately, again, is like a case of a disqualification which occurs 
after Zrika. And yet, halacha lamayin, so you see that they are still burning the carbon immediately. Vichy is starof, la'altern is starof. And yet, when they burned it, they didn't wait until the next morning, but rather they burnt it immediately. Top of pei gimel. Rabba mosif af rabiosi haglili. Rabba also adds rabiosi haglili to this list of opinions. This anya, rabiosi haglili omer kala inyan kulo, inam adabra eleba parman esrafim, ubesiiri han esrafim, Lisrof pisulehen abes abira, velitin lo sase alachilasan. So comes along Rabbi Yosef Lili, and he says, Kola inyan. Now Rashi says over here, Kola inyan kulo, kol parsha zu, vichol chatos ashayuva midama. This entire, this entire parsha, this entire set of psukim, which we referenced in yesterday's daf, is talking about paramanisrafim, siramanisrafim. Ultimately, again, that any type of carbon which became disqualified and therefore has to be burnt, then Allah said it's burnt, as we saw yesterday, Abes Habira, by the Beis HaMikdash, Velitin Lo Sase Alachilosan, and it comes to add an extra Lo Sase on their consumption. Amrullah said to him, Chatos Shenichnas Dama, Lifnaiv Lifnim Minayim. So we'll say, what about a Chatos? Remember again, a Chatos has a blood application. But that blood application is normally on the exterior mizbeach. The mizbeach anachoshas. What happens if you brought the blood outside of the area where it's supposed to be? In this case, he brought the blood outside. Right? Bringing the blood outside of his prescribed area actually means bringing it inside. How do I know what happens to that type of chatos? So this again goes back to the episode of Aaron after the death of Nadav and Avihu, where Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to understand why did they burn the chatos as opposed to eating the chatos. And one of the things that Moshe asks is, is it possible that maybe you erroneously brought in the dam inside of the Kodesh? To which the Gemara says, Michlal ihi. The, which we can refer from this as follows, that if they were to have, to have taken the blood outside of its prescribed area, inami ayildama, or they brought in, let's say they would have brought in the blood to the Kodesh, bisreifa, then the, 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 the result would have been the requirement to burn the carbon. Rabbi Yochanan, so Rabbi Yochanan says, damu basar chada milsahi, bailim milsachris. Rabbi Yochanan will say, no, both blood and meat, dam and basar is one entity. But disqualifications ultimately in the owners is something else. So I will say, so bottom line, halacha lamaisa, how do we paskin? Because remember, this last piece is actually very important because this is a shayla in how you go ahead or really when you go ahead and dispose of the carbon. So remember, everyone agrees that when you have a carbon that becomes disqualified, although I thought maybe, maybe what I would do with it is I would, I would bury it. Kamashallah, we don't bury it, we burn it. The shayla is, when do you burn it? Can you burn it immediately? Or must there be what's called tuubar tsuraso? Do you have to wait until the form changes, which again, for our purposes, means leaving it until, leaving it until the next morning. So we'll say, so listen to this. So the Rambam Paskins here on this halacha. Um, this is in Hilchot. We'll, we'll focus right now on just on Hilchot's carbon Pesach. So the Rambam writes in Hilchot's carbon Pesach as follows. This is actually in the 10th chapter. Perek Yod. Hilchot's carbon Pesach. Halacha Vav. Pes- um no, wrong halacha. Sorry, sorry, scratch that. Perek Dalit halacha gimel. Ha Pesach sheyatsa mirushalayim o shenitma ba'arbasa yisrof miyad. So we'll say, so the Rambam writes, halacha lamaisa, if the current Pesach becomes tamay, you burn it immediately. You burn it immediately. Now remember, this is talking about Pesach, which becomes tamay on Erev Pesach. So something happens at Erev Pesach, 
burn it immediately. Nitmu habaylim o mesu o mishchu asideim afilu nitmu u o mesu kodem zrikas adam manichin also adshe to ubar tsuraso the acharkach yisrof. We will say, but essentially that came into all the cases. Rambam says. But if something happens with the owners, let's say the owners become Tameh, or the owners withdraw from the carbon, so that this way there's effectively no group to consume the carbon, then what? Tu'ubartsurasu. You leave it overnight, you burn it the next morning. Again, as we said, next morning doesn't literally mean next morning, because you can't burn disqualified kachim on Yamtiv. So what it means is you leave it two mornings. You leave it until the first day of Chalamayid. Zeaklaut. I will say, here we go. This is the takeaway. Kol shepisulo begufo. Yisarif miyad, miyad, bedam o bebailim to ubar tsurasov achakach yisrof. So we'll say, bottom line, here is the klal. Any time that the disqualification of the carbon is in what he calls the guf ha carbon itself, begufo, you could burn it immediately. You do not need to wait till overnight. Any time the disqualification is either in the blood, now what that means is in the blood service, either you took the blood out, you took the blood in, you took the blood somewhere it's not supposed to be, or the blood became tummy. Obviously this is all prior to Zrika, because after Zrika, we don't care what happens to the blood. If the psul is in the carbon itself, then ultimately you could burn it immediately. But if the psul is in the blood, or if the psul is in the bailim, then to ubart surasa, which means we leave it overnight and we burn it then. Good. We'll say that's talochalamaisa by carbonus. Beautiful. Let's go weiter. We'll say now again, it's some more carbon pizza. It's really incredible. Ha'atzamas v'hagidin, Mishnah. We'll say, listen to this. So the atzamas, the bones, gidin, gidin are sinews. So v'hanosar, anosar is anything left over. Yisrifu b'shisha asar are burnt on the 16th. So Rabbi, remember again, this means the first day chalamayid. So that's almost bones. The common denominator amongst all of these items is, is that they're not consumable. So that's almost our bones. Gidin will discuss exactly what, what this case is, but these sinews. And no, sir. That will say no, sir, just means anything that's actively left over. Yisrifu b'shisha asar. So again, anything left over from the current Pesach, Bones, gidin, no, sir. You burn on the 16th. Remember again, when's the 16th? First day, chalamayid. Remember, we'll say, to be very clear, we know this. The only type of sacrificial service that you're allowed to do on Shabbos and Yom Tiv are karbonos unique for that day. So you can't burn any leftover stuff or any disqualified stuff on Shabbos and Yom Tiv. So anything leftover, stuff you can't eat, 16th. Chal tazayin liyos b'Shabbos. What happens if the 16th falls out on Shabbos? So we'll say again, let's say, first, right, which, which again, first day, first day Yom Tov is Friday, right? Erev Yom Tov is Thursday, first day Yom Tov is Friday, first day Chalamayit is Shabbos. Okay, so what do you do? Yisif will be a Zion. You burn it on the 17th. You push it off. She'inan dochen lo'as ha-Shabbos v'lo'as Because we'll say at the end of the day, the burning of anything left over is not docha Shabbos and Yom Not docha Shabbos and Yom Beautiful, we'll say, watch this. We'll say, this is great. Watch what's going to happen over here. Amrab Mari Baravu, Amrab Yitzchak. Ramari Baravu said, Amrab Yitzchak, at Samos Kadshim, Sheshimshu Nosar. Rabbi said, listen to this case. So, bones of Kadshim that were Meshamish Nosar. Now, Rabbi said, remember, Nosar means any meat left over after the prescribed period of consumption. In, now, interestingly enough, the Nosar designation applies to marrow inside of the bones as well. Right? You could eat marrow, you could eat marrow, and therefore again, the marrow inside of the bones become 
and become nosar. So listen to this, Rabbi Nosar. So if you have bones of kachim, shashimshu nosar means they service nosar, in other words, they contain nosar. Metamen es hayadayim. Ultimately, again, they are metamiyadayim. Because it will say, so when you touch the bones, which service the nosar, it's as if you went ahead and touched the nosar itself. Nosar midirabanon, ultimately, again, is metamiyas hayadayim. Goes ahead and conveys some. Look, if you look at Rashi, metamiyas hayadayim, it's right across from Tosa's Amor. Kinosar atzmo shegazur chacham shitmas hayadayim. Both say this is a rabbinic decree that if you touch nosar, your hands become tame. Both say, watch this. What does the Gemara say? Incredible. So for those of us who are learning, who are learning Smichas cover, our two worlds just collided. Right? Who would have thought? We'll say, Mamish, 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 Mamish. This is our sugya. So because what happens when the, it's incredible. We'll say, you know, sometimes, sometimes in life, something happens and you feel like the Ribbono Shel Olam is giving you a little bit, a kiss on the forehead saying, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I see how hard you're working. I see what you're doing. I see that you're plugging away. So I just want to see, I see everything that you're doing. I see everything. I see the mukta. I see the dafyomi. I see everything. And again, that little kiss, he brings everything together in one line, in one daf, in the middle. That this, this daf could have easily have come, you know, a few months earlier, a few months later. But here it is. Mamish, the bones themselves become a basis ladavar ha'asr. So I will say, so remember again, to be clear, obviously the gimara is not using basis ladavar ha'asr in a, in a, in a mukta context but rather is using it in a kachim context. So Allah said, the Gemara says, you see from here that bones, that bones, which ultimately carry nosar, become a base to the nosar, and to a certain degree take on nosar status as well. So therefore, if you touch the bones, if you touch the bones, your hands become tame as if you touched nosar itself. So let's bring, a, let's bring a proof to support this. So we'll say, what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said that bones, bones, gidim, sinews, and nosar is burnt on the 16th. You don't burn it on, on you don't burn it on Yom Tib, you burn on Chalamayim. So the Gemara says, Now what's the case of bones? If you say that there's no marrow inside of the bones, Lama Besreifa. So we'll say, why do I have to burn the bones? Nishdinhu. All I need to do is throughout those. So remember again, we'll see in just a moment, bones by carbon Pesach, of course, are, are unique, are unique, because remember, you're not allowed to break the bones of the Pesach. So we'll discuss this in just a moment. But the idea over here is, why do I have to burn the bones? So if the bones don't have marrow inside of them, there's no din in burning bones. I could just simply throw them out. El de Rather, again, it must have marrow. It must have marrow inside of it. So the Gemara says, "I amrit bishlama shimush nosar If you say that ultimately, since the bone is that, that we'll call it service of nosar, or in this case, what it means is carrying nosar is significant. That since the bone carries the nosar, therefore the bone takes on a certain nosar identity and is burnt like nosar. Therefore, amati lahachi bo sreifa. Then I understand why the bones need to be burned as well. But if you say that the service of Nosar is not really significant, then why do I have to burn the bones? 
finish dinhu lididu. We'll say so if if the fact that the bone carries the dosar does not make the bone into nosar, so I have a much better idea. Let's break open the bones, get out get out the marrow, so that way whatever marrow there is will be burned. And Allah Almighty could throw out the rest of the bones. So the Gemara says, so we'll say, so remember again, I I just say you can't break the bone. So remember, we're gonna see that the Pashtos the prohibition of etzem lo bo, of not breaking the bones of the Pesach, is dafka when you're permitted to consume the Pesach. But bepashtos, after the window of consumption has closed, the prohibition to break the bones no longer is, is, is applicable. But we'll see that. shimush no samilsi. So I'll say, so the Gemara therefore says, from the fact that you have to burn the bones, that indicates to us, shimush no samilsihi. That quote unquote service of nosar, which again more explicitly means the fact that the bone holds the nosar, gives the bone, endows the bone with a quasi nosar status, and therefore again the bone must be burnt as well. Incredible. Amrilo. No, 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 no. Maybe I'll say that just because the bone contains the nosar doesn't give the bone nosar status. The kasavar bow, bechasavar, and maybe what they hold is bow. Because Shafilib Apostle. So I will say, so maybe, maybe Halacha Lamaisa, when the Torah says, Ve'etzem lo sishburu bo, Halacha Lamaisa, you're not allowed to break the bones at all. That you're not allowed to break the bow, because Shafilib Apostle. That even after the meat becomes nosar, the marrow becomes nosar, you can't break the bones open to get out the, to get out the marrow. So you have to go ahead and burn the bones, I will say, not because the bones take, take on no sir status, but why? But why? Because there's no other way to get rid of, there's no other way to burn the nosar except to burn the bones. Here, I will say, originally the Gemara is operating with the Havamina, that you don't have to burn the bones. You could break open the bones, get out the nosar, burn the nosar, just throw the bones out. Now the Gemara is suggesting maybe not. Maybe when the Pasuk says, V'esam lo sishbaru bo, the halacha is, you can't break bones at all. Whether it's kosher, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's possible. And therefore, there's no way to get the nosar out of the bones. Because there's no way to get the nosar out of the bones, that's why you have to go ahead and burn the bones. Is that true? Are we going to assume that Allah is the prohibition on breaking bones for the current Pesach is even when the Pesach is no longer consumable? We learned but we learned in the Mishnah. We'll say that's what that if you go ahead and you leave over in a current Pesach, that's tahar or shover betame. Or you break the bones of a carbon pesach, which has become tame, you don't get malchus. Now, I will say, that's pretty explicit of saying that what? That the prohibition of breaking bones, the prohibition of etzem lo sishperu bo, only applies to a carbon pesach when it's consumable. Lo kasha, kansha haisa lo shasa kosher, kansha lo haisa lo shasa kosher. I will say, very interesting. What does it depend on? It depends on whether or not the pesach ever had, ever was permitted. Did it ever have a shasa kosher? Was it ever kosher? So look at Rashi just a moment, Rabosai. If you look in the wide lines, two, four lines into the widest lines, haisalo shasa kosher, kigo nosar, yesh bo shviras etzem, lo haisalo shasa kosher, kigo nitma lifnezrika, in bo shviras etzem. So we'll see an interesting distinction the Gemara is making. That maybe halacha lemaisa, what it means is as follows. What it means is, if the carbon pesach was fit, was fit, 
but subsequently became unfit, which is every pretty much every case like that, right? It was it was kosher, but at a certain point in time it becomes no sir. Then then ultimately again there, the prohibition of breaking the bones still remains. But if the current Pesach was never fit, then Enachinami, the prohibition to go out and break the bones, never devolves upon the carbon. So a, a, pre, a pretty intuitive and logical distinction. So Mantan of the Shainalei Bein Shaisalo Shasakosher Lo Haisalo Shasakosher, who is the opinion that makes this distinction that etzem that break that etzem no sish burubo will apply to a carbon forever as long as the carbon was initially kosher. But if the carbon was never kosher, then the prohibition ultimately of the etzim lo sish doesn't apply to it. Who makes that distinction? Rabbi Yaakovi, the etzim lo sish The pasuk says you should not break a bone in the, in the carbon. Bo be kosher, velo be It only applies to a carbon that is kosher, but does not apply. But does not apply to a carbon that is pasul. Rabbi Yaakov Omer. Rabbi Yaakov says, "Haisalo if the carbon was kosher, but then became pasal, the prohibition to break bones still applies, even when it's pasal. Lo but if the carbon was never kosher, then there is no prohibition. If the carbon never had a shasa kosher, there is never, there's, there, there is never a prohibition of shviras etzem. Shimon Rab Shimon says, Shimon says, in either case, there is no prohibition ultimately of shviras etzem. We'll discuss that sheet later. So both say, bottom line, what the Gemara is suggesting is, maybe there is this, let's, let's align ourselves with this opinion of Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov holds that, when the carbon was kosher, therefore again, there's a prohibition to go ahead and break the bones, and then that prohibition will remain pretty much forever. See, even once the carbon becomes possible, you still can't go in and break bones. And therefore, again, and therefore, once the marrow becomes nosar, there's no way to get the marrow out of the bones. Therefore, the only thing you can do is what? Burn the bones. Burn the bones. But if the carbon never had a shasa kosher, right? If the carbon was never, was never fit, Therefore, by definition, the prohibition of breaking the bones never devolved upon the carbon, and therefore, well, never devolved upon the carbon. We'll say, by the way, just to show you how intuitive this is, the Sefer HaKinuch brings down, why is there a prohibition of the Etzimel why, why can't you break? Why can't you break the bones of the carbon Pesach? Why not? So the Sefer HaKinuch says something very interesting. He says, because the entire essence of carbon Pesach is, the entire essence of, of Pesach is, to be a Ben Chorin to be free. And we conduct ourselves on Pesach night like royalty. Sefer HaKinuch says, royalty doesn't break open bones and suck out marrow. That's, that, that's not what royalty does. Royalty has plenty of food, right? Don't have to go out and get into the breaking of bones. And therefore, again, they don't do that. They don't do that. So which was it, which, which intuitively Rabbi Yaakov Shita makes sense then, because again, the only time the prohibition ultimately of Etzimot Zish will apply is when you can eat the carbon, because not breaking the bone is part of the etzem mahus of the achila. It's how you eat the carbon pesach. So if the carbon pesach is kosher, then it makes sense the prohibition applies. But if you can't eat the carbon pesach, then it's intuitive that etzem al doesn't apply to it. Just an interesting aside. Good. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, Mei in general, any bones of sacrificial of, of carbonus doesn't require strafa. With the exception of, with the exception of the bones of carbon pesach, you have to go ahead and burn them because of a potential stumbling block. 
So the Gemara says, okay. So what's the case when we say that the bones don't require strafe of a carbon, but do require strafe of a carbon Pesach? What type of bones are we talking about? If they don't have marrow inside of them, so we'll say, remember again, if bones don't have marrow, everyone's going to agree, leave it alone. Or as we'll say, even by Pesach, or let's say there's a prohibition to break bones, you can't break bones, but the only thing that really ever requires strafa is sacrificial meat. Right? So if it doesn't have marrow, I don't have to burn it. So the Gemara says, Rather, it must be that the bone has marrow. We'll say first white line on the bottom. And if you hold it, when the bone contains marrow, that's significant and it endows the bone with a quasi marrow status as well. I'm sorry. So we'll say, if you're going to tell me that the right, we must be dealing with a case of bone with marrow. Because if it doesn't have marrow, why would you ever have to burn the bone? And now you're going to tell me that Allah I have to go ahead and burn, I have to go ahead and burn the bones of Pesach because they contain marrow. And containing marrow endows the bone with a quasi nosar status. So then why do I just have to burn the bones of Pesach? Why don't I also have to burn the bones of regular karbanas? Isn't isn't Allah always the same? What's the case? So we'll say, interestingly enough, what's the case? If you look at Rashi, three lines off on the bottom of Rashi. So we'll say, here's the case. I find a pile of bones. And what happens? I find a number of them that are broken open and hollowed out. That's what it means, chalutzin, hollowed out. So the bones are open, broken and hollowed out. So the Gemara says, now watch this, Rabbi So watch this. So when, when it comes to regular kabbalos, which again, Bible said by regular carbon, there's no problem with breaking bones, right? You can break as many bones as you want. So we assume what's happened over here. So when it comes to stamp carbonos, we assume that when were those bones broken open? Right? When were you, you stumble upon a, a pile of, of carbonos bones, right? They're broken, they're hollowed out. We assume when were they broken and hollowed out? When? 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 Before the carbon became nosar. Because people ate it. We assume people ate the people ate the marrow. So we assume that people break, broke open the bones, ate the marrow before the carbon became nosar, and that's why. Therefore, the bones the bones have no status. The bones could just be thrown out. As soon as I Pesach, but I will say you can only make that assumption that the bones were broken open and the marrow was consumed prior to it becoming nosar by regular carbonos. Why? Why? Because you're allowed to break the bones. However, by Pesach, at was Pesach. But I will say, when it comes to Karban Pesach, where again, there is a prohibition to go ahead and break open bones, and break bones, it must yet the bones were only broken open after it became Nosar, and therefore at that point in time, the bones serviced Nosar, therefore took on a quasi-Nosar identity themselves, and therefore requires Sreifa. Interesting case. Rav Zvidam Rav said, no, what's the case? 
Siburin, Siburin. But say, Sir Zvitz comes along and he says, no, 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 what's the case? I find not just a couple of bones, I find a pile of bones. A pile of bones. Shematan Siburin, Siburin. Umehen Chalutzin. And some of them, I will say, are broken open and hollowed out. Now, this is very interesting. Take a look at the top Rashi. Pay one of these. Rashi says, Shamatan Siburin, I'm sorry, Siburin, Siburin, Ubadat al Yonan, Umatsin Chalutzin. So, we'll say, here's the case. In this case, I have, a, I have a pile of bones, right? I have a pile of bones. So, we'll say, now, I check the top bones, and some of the upper bones are broken open and hollowed out. Hollowed out. So, the Gemara says, listen to this. So, the Gemara says, Umhen Chalutzin, Asamos Kachim. So, when it comes to Stam Karbanos, so we'll say, interestingly enough, when it comes to regular karbanos, look at Rashi, so listen to this, I come across a pile of bones, Now we'll say, I don't really want to go through the entire pile of bones to see what the story is, so what happens, when it comes to regular karbanos, and I see the top bones are broken and hollowed out. So now listen to this. So when it comes to regular karbanos, where there's no prohibition to break open bones. So we'll say, I could assume when I have a regular pile of bones of sacrificial, regular sacrificial bones, if the top ones are broken and hollowed out, I could assume that what? That applies to the pile. And when were the bones broken and hollowed out? By Karbanos, I have a right to assume that when were they broken and hollowed out? Before they became Nosar. And therefore, again, the bones, the bones do not need to be burned, right? The bones have no Nosar status, and we're good to go. However, when it comes to the bones of carbon Pesach, again, I have a couple of issues. The bone was opened up and hollowed out, but does that mean that everything was hollowed out? In other words, it doesn't mean that all the other bones were hollowed out also, doesn't mean that there's no sar in there. So essentially what the Gemara is saying is when you find bones that have to do with Karim Pesach, because there's so many machloksim over here. Machlokis number one is, is there a prohibition to break the bone after the window of consumption closes? That's machlokis number one. And over here, when you have a pile of bones, do the bones have marrow, do the bones not have marrow, just burn it. Just burn it. That seems to be the conclusion that the Gemara is reaching. So I'll say, so I'll just tell you the interesting halacha over here, because I, I think it's very interesting. So what do you do with the bones of Kabbalah Pesach? So now listen to this. So the, the Rambam writes as follows. The Rambam writes like this. He says, he says, Pesach, good. If, right, if you break the, this is in, this is in the 10th chapter, Parakah Siri, Halacha Vod, in, in Kilchos Kabbalah Pesach. So the Rambam writes as follows. He says, you're not allowed to break the bone of Karim Pesach. So it's very important. The Rambam says that even if the carbon becomes disqualified, there is still a prohibition to break the bone. When is this so? So we'll say, this is incredibly important. The Rambam writes, the only time, the Krab Yaakov, the only time that there is a prohibition of Shiras Etzem is when the carbon was kosher. 
So if the carbon was kosher, ultimately again it then becomes possible, then halacha lamaisa, the prohibition of shiras etzem will still apply. But if the carbon Pesach was never kosher, let's say something just became invalidated about it, in that case, the prohibition of shiras etzem never devolves upon the carbon itself. So we'll say incredibly important, essentially adopting the position of of Rabbi Yaakov. Good. Uh, there's a lot more. Again, there's a lot more to do. What type of bones apply to Shiraz Etzem? But again, we don't have to get into that now. But I will say, just important to know, the prohibition of Shiraz Etzem applies even once the window of consumption closes, assuming that the Pesach was kosher. But if the Pesach was never kosher, became invalidated, the prohibition of Shiraz Etzem does not apply. Beautiful. Says the Gemara. Kalagidin Basar, so we'll say, remember again, what the next item in the Mishnah that was mentioned were, were the sinews, right? The sinews are also burned on the 16th of Nisan, right? After, after the window of consumption closes, says the Gimara, Amrav Yudomarav, Kalagidin Basar, Chutzmi Gideit Savar. In general, Gidin, sinews of an animal, are considered to be meat, with the exception of the sinews of the neck. So apparently, again, the neck sinews are considered are too tough. They can't be eaten. Therefore, it doesn't have the status of basar. Look at Rashi. Kalagidin basar. Harehen ki basar Now, say, now, this is actually very important. This is not just like simply an academic statement about that it's meat or it's not meat. It's very important. Remember again, when you go ahead, when, when we, in Hashem, Mishal will bring Karmen Pesach, Halabai this year. So when you form a Chabura, so you have to make sure that there is a, at least a kezayis of basar for every single person who is part of that Chabura. Which means that you have to know, you have to know which parts of the animal have the status of meat, what's called basar. So when the Gemara says over that Gidin, sinews, are considered to be basar, this is very important. That means that that could count towards someone's Kizayis, ultimately of carbon Pesach. So therefore, Yehuda says, in general, Gidin are called Basar, with the exception of the Gidin of the neck. They're, they're not really edible. So the Gemara says, So remember, let's go back for a moment. The Mishnah said that bones, Gidin, and Nosar are burnt on the 16th, right? Anything that's left over, you're burnt on the 16th. So remember, so let's analyze this. What's the case of Gidin? Basar. Nichlinhu. So we'll say, I don't say, if you tell me that Gidin are basar, so just eat it, right? Eat, eat, it, eat it before, eat it before the, the window of consumption closes. Vi'idi'isosar, and if you're telling me that Gidin are basar and they're left over, hainunosar. So we'll say, what the, what the Gemara is asking over here is as follows. If you tell me that Gidin are treated like meat, then why are Gidin reckoned separately? Why are they mentioned separately in the Mishnah? In other words, the Mishnah says you have to burn any leftover Bones, Gidin, and Nosar. Nosar means leftover meat. If Gidin are Nosar, if Gidin are meat, so isn't it included in Nosar? Elapshita Gideit Savar. Rather, it must be talking about the Gidin of the neck. That must be what it's referring to. That Allah Chalamai said the Gidin of the neck, ultimately again, which are not consumable, if they don't have the status of Basar, so if they're leftover, you have to go ahead and burn them. See, so if you say that even the Gidin of the neck have the status of Basar, that's why you have to burn it. 
But we'll say if it does, but ultimately if it's not basar, then why does it require it to be burned? In other words, we'll say, maybe I should bury it. Maybe I should just do something else with it. Generally, the only like we just said before, remember we'll say we just went through this whole this whole discussion. Why do you have to burn bones of current pays? Why do you burn the bones? Right? Because of the marrow. Meaning you don't burn the bones because of the bones, right? Bones by themselves wouldn't, don't have to be burned. We're burning bones because we assume the bone contains basar. The, the marrow is basar. That's why I'm burning it. So I don't understand. If we're talking about gidin of the neck that are not edible, so then why do they require sreifa? To which the Gemara says, Interesting. What if it was the gid anosha, the sciatic nerve? That gid value. But watch this. This is incredible. Rabbi Huda says, Rabbi Huda says, by the way, this is wild. Gid Hanosha does not apply to both sciatic nerves. The prohibition, the biblical prohibition of Gid Hanosha only applies to one of the sciatic nerves. To, to, to the nerves on one leg, the Gemara says, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it's the right leg. Well, so by the way, it's interesting. How would you say? How would you say that the gid hanasha only applies to one leg? So let's say there's actually a, ve- a very simple reason. What's the simple reason? Because Yaakov Avinu you know, was injured in one leg. I was supposed to say the prohibition of gid hanasha. Prohibition of gid hanasha comes from the episode of Yaakov and Saroshal Esav. Yaakov was injured on one side. Now again, remember the prohibition. There's a whole discussion in general with learning out prohibitions. Yushami brings down a principle of in lemaidin davar mikodem matan Torah. That in general we don't learn binding halacha before, before Har Sinai. But again, leaving that aside, so Rabbi Yehuda has this idea that Giranasha only applies to one leg. And I'm pretty sure ultimately it's the right leg. So the Gemara says, so both say, so therefore maybe that's what we're talking about. Maybe the Gid in the Mishnah is actually the Gid Hanasha. The Gid Hanasha. Now I will say, now remember again, with the Gid Hanasha, one of them is permitted, one of them is prohibited. Now I will say, now by the way, Masi, even Rabbi Huda himself is not totally sure. When he says, Adas Machras, that I think it's the right leg, he's saying, I think, but he's not saying it for sure. So ultimately, because we'll say if he was sure, if he was sure, then what? You should be able to eat the one that is permitted and burn the one that's not. So the Gemara says, So we'll say, so the fact that, now remember, Rabbi Huda is essentially saying that the Gid, the Gid didn't mention in the Mishnah that you have to go ahead and burn are the, are, are, is the Gid Hanosha. And even Rabbi Huda is going to say that even though one of the Gidin, one of the Gid Hanosha, is permitted for consumption. We're not sure which one, and therefore, what do you do? You burn both. You burn both. So we're not sure which one is actually Basar. No, as we both say, technically speaking, I don't have to burn both, right? Because one of them is Basar, one of them is not Basar. But I'll burn both because I don't know which one is permitted, which one is prohibited. So the Gemara is suggesting that's the Gidin in the Mishnah. Or it could very well be that even if you do know which kid, let's say Yehuda is right, and let's say Yehuda is definitive, and he says the right one is permitted, the left one is prohibited. But what happened in your current Pesach? You went ahead and you had both Gidin there, the right one and the left one. And what happened? What happened? You confused them, which we could assume could pretty easily happen with your Gidhan Nashas, right? And therefore, again, you confuse them. So because you confuse them, therefore you'll burn them both. So the Gemara says, Ashi Amar, no. No, that's not the case. 
First of all, say, you know, in general, we don't pass like that at Yehuda. We know the prohibition of Gid Anosha applies to both legs of the animal. And then even Rashi says, no, what's the case? The case is Lishmano Digid. Oh, the case of Allah says actually the fat surrounding the Gid Hanasha. Now, this is actually very interesting because Allah says technically speaking, the fat around the Gid Hanasha is permitted. Very interesting. The fat around the Gid is permitted. Watch this. This Sanya, here we go. Shmano, Shmano, Mutter. So we'll say, listen to this. The fat around the Gid is actually permitted for consumption. The Sol Kidoshim Hain. I'll say, what a, what a beautiful statement. You know, what, what a, and what, and how, how apropos to read this statement on Rosh Chodesh Adar, a new beginning, his Chachos, Erev Shabbos, Parshashkolim, so many wonderful things happening in the universe and happening in our Neshamas. And to have a reminder, right? This is a reminder. Yisrael Kedoshim Heim. It's a reminder, I will say. We are Kedoshim. Yisrael Kedoshim Heim. Benagim Bo Iser. So I'll say, this is wild. So really, the, the fat around the Gid Hanasha is actually permitted. Is actually permitted. But Yisrael Kiddushim Heim, we are Kaddish. And I will say, by the way, how does Kiddushim manifest itself? This is incredibly important. Umar makes a statement, Yisrael Kiddushim Heim. How does the Kiddushim manifest itself? By going above and beyond what is expected of you. I will say, that's Kiddusha. Kiddusha means exceeding expectations. Kiddusha means going above and beyond. I'm obligated to do X, I do X plus Y. That's what Kiddusha is. It's such an incredible yisod because we talk about Kiddusha all of the time, but sometimes we, we can't wrap our head around what it means. Here it is. Yisrael Kiddushim Heim, I exceed expectations. I go above and beyond. So therefore the fat is permitted. The fat is permitted, but we don't eat it. We don't eat it. I, I, I want to point out again, don't, don't confuse this to mean chumras. I mean, this happens to be a chumrah. But, but, but what it means is that, again, I'm only obligated. I only, I'm, I, only, I only have to check in, right? I just have to check the box. That's all I have to do. But I choose to exceed expectations. Not because I have to, but because I want to actualize my inner kedusha. So therefore, again, the Gemara says, So maybe, interestingly enough, the Gidin that's being referred to in the Mishnah that you have to burn it's not Kiranosh, and it's not anything else. It's actually, interestingly enough, the fat that's around the Gid. Now, Bosa, now why does that work well for us? That's a great definition. Why? Because that's actual basar. That's actual meat. So, but we don't eat it. Even though I can eat it, we don't eat it. And therefore, when burning it, we burn it like regular noser. So, the Gimar Finogi Bosa, Ravina Amar Ravina says, the Chitzon Ukid Rabbi I'm sorry. Rather, it's talking about Bosa. It's actually interesting. There are two different Gidin. There's, there's, we'll see in just a moment. We're talking about the outer Gid, which is technically consumable. There are actually two Gidin. The Gid that is inside, closer to the thigh bone, that's the Gid Hanasha that is actually Aser. And if you eat it, you're Chayiv. There is another gid, ultimately again, that is more external and closer to the meat, aser. Ultimately, that is aser. The ain chayav and alav, but one is not chayav. So, we'll say, interestingly enough, it's quite possible that the Mishnah speaks about gidin, is talking about this outer gid. This outer gid. This outer gid, which in fact is fit for consumption because the prohibition of gid anasha, 
is only on the inner gates. Therefore, I both say, again, as we work our way through the Mishnah, so we define the case of Atzamas. Now we defined the case of Gidin. Now, we didn't f- define it in one way. We have a number of different interpretations about how exactly Gidin works. Is it the inner Gid? Is it the Gid Hanasha? Gidin Basar? Gidin Nat Basar? But bottom line, I both say, again, just you should know, we do accept, the Shukhanach in Yeradeh does bring down this idea that by the thigh, there are actually more than one Gid. And, it is the gid that is closer, really on the thigh bone, close to the thigh bone, that Allah Chalamaisa goes ahead and, goes ahead and, and is prohibited, but Allah Chalamaisa, the gid that is external, is permitted. Rabbi, so we'll stop over here. We'll pick up a mirror session here tomorrow. Shkoyach.